name is Kevin Adler, and I'm a digital transformation advisor here at ServiceNow. I focus uh, on the federal space, spend some time helping some DoD customers and some civilian customers uh, transform their digital operations and their experiences for their users and their customers. I always like to know who I'm speaking with. So a couple of questions. Raise a hand if you're from the civilian side of the house. Let's see a show of hands. A few of you, good. And what about the Department of Defense? Anyone in the DoD space? Excellent, up here. And our friends from state and local, anyone here from state and local? Very good, representing, good, excellent. And then lastly, how many of you are IT, familiar with IT, understand the nuts and bolts, the operations of ServiceNow? And then how many are you users of ServiceNow? And I think everybody's hand's gonna go up here, excellent. So the good thing about this conversation is it's not a new conversation. It's an extension upon the experiences and the workflow capabilities and the harmonizing of all of that workflow that goes into what you're using ServiceNow for today, but extending it outside to a brand new use case, which is managing these assets. And let me hear from a few of in the audience, what kind of assets are you most curious of managing? Just a couple shout outs. Furniture, laptops, okay, and vehicles. I like the vehicles one. Let's stick with the more complicated ones. Vehicles, furniture, another one? That's complicated. <laughs> what about you? Okay, parks and recs equipment, fantastic. Let's stick with parks and recs, let's use vehicles, and then furniture, just for the ease of conversation and the scenarios that we'll walk through. The goal of this session for the next 30 minutes is to share with you how ServiceNow has really evolved to help manage the full asset lifecycle from soup to nuts, cradle to grave, to ordering, to acquisition, to managing, to taking an inventory, to then dispatching that inventory, installing it, servicing it, and then when it's ready to be retired or disposed of, accurately disposing of it per your unique requirements. So we're gonna start off with a couple of stories because it's end of the day and Andy and I thought it would be nice to start with a couple of end cases, uh, use cases in mind. So we're gonna flip the slides and I'm gonna tell you a story because everyone likes stories. We've got, uh, we've got the safe harbor, so forward looking. We've gotta redo that. So the, the nice thing about this first story is it's one that's very uh, close to my heart because it's working with the US Army soldiers and their families. This is actually a, a live application that's running today. And the Army had a challenge a couple of years ago servicing their assets. Their assets in terms were houses that their families and soldiers around the globe lived in. So when you enrolled in the Army and you were living in different areas around the globe, you could actually live in Army-based housing. You might recall the New York Times and the Washington Post had front page articles on how the Army was not supporting their soldiers and families because they weren't able to accurately manage their garrison housing. Reports would come in of black mold, reports would come in of broken locks, really just horrible environments that none of us would want to live in, let alone our soldiers and families would want to have them live in. So the challenge was present for the Army to collect and manage and track all of the data. And once they were able to collect the data, they were able to make improvements to that data and manage their assets. So you see from the slides on the bottom of it, in the first two years, there's a million cases that have come into this application. And believe it or not, this application runs on devices like this, application runs on laptops, doesn't matter the operating system. It's really easy for the family member to say, you know what? 
I'm going to report this incident of a broken furnace and we're going to get it fixed. And then the soldier can go and worry about their main mission, not that broken furnace. And then that work sets off workflow. So really easy to use tools that the army was able to deploy to capture those requests for broken furnaces or black mold or plumbing issues to improve the morale of the soldier, make it safer for them, and really elevate the experience so that they can go about their day and worry about what's mostly important. At the end of the uh, initial uh, pilot for this, I should say the pilot was actually deployed rapidly. Uh, contracting took months, as you can imagine, but once the contracts were signed, the solution was stood up in about 12 weeks, which is lightning fast for governments of any size. So that's pretty dramatic. But what they saw was reports were coming in and they could actually manage those reports. They could fire them off automatically to the Department of Public Works responsible for locks, plumbing, you have it, electrical issues, furnaces, and then work orders would be created. Work orders would be assigned and tracked down to the asset and down to the task level, which is really good digital modernization for the army and for their users, the soldiers and their families. What we're also able to do is extend this not only from the soldier and the family's experience, but the experience of the DPW technician or the army workforce that's supporting the soldiers globally. They've got a really nice, easy to use tool that's modern and frictionless and they don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out how to get that furnace repaired that just came in last Tuesday, that report. And scheduling is automatic. Scheduling is on your phone. And if something comes up and they need to change the schedule for that repair, they can easily, just like you and I can do at night when we're ordering service from Domino's and we got that easy to use tool or that pizza tracker, the soldier and their family member also can change the schedule and make it really convenient. So the, 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 the result of this has been very successful for the Army. They are also, because they're running service now, they're able to extend this and manage the assets, the HVACs, the filters, uh, the windows that are cracked that need to be replaced. They can manage all of their assets in the ServiceNow instance that they're already running and approved to be running with today. So that simplifies it for them because that holistically brings together all of that separate workflow into one system of action. So from the Army perspective, they've got a sheet of glass they can look at, pull up reports, make decisions on. They can actually see the cases coming in, the requests coming in. They can see the success of those cases being closed or the challenges of them being closed. They can take action to dispatch a technician to fix that um, furnace or build that, uh, uh, re repair any incident that comes in. But it doesn't really matter to service now if you're talking about furnaces or you said vehicles or furniture or parks and recreation. It doesn't matter to service now if you need to track a vehicle or the hundreds of parts that go into a vehicle or a tank or a truck or airplane. Those are assets. And if they've got a tag, which they probably do, or a part number, it can be easily managed in service now, just like that Domino's pizza tracker I talked about a minute ago. So the transformation for customers comes when they realize the value they can get out of their existing ServiceNow investment and throw more workflows at that investment to manage soup to nuts, holistically, these workflows that we're talking about today. So that's a really good story. I think I'm going to turn the microphone over now to Andy, and he's going to talk us through another story. Cool. Thanks, everyone. Everyone hear me okay? Yes, yes no? I have a very loud voice. I probably don't even need the... Um, the uh, 
microphone. Uh, my job up here is also to kind of keep the trains running on time. So Kevin went a little over, so I'm going to talk really quickly uh, and we're going to get through this so we can give it over to Eric. So um, we have a customer that uh, another next use case is we have a customer and they're responsible for the distribution and management of thousands of individual SKUs, right? Thousands of individual products. And those products are managed and housed in 70, 70 plus uh, warehouses across the country, right? And so that dovetails down to about a million, million and a half actual pieces of inventory that they're managing. Uh, and so I mentioned that just because it's scale and scope, right? It's, it's a large opportunity. It's a large, um, it's a large environment to help them come up with, with how we're going to make it more efficient. So we sat down with the customer. We had some uh, discovery with them and we found their pain points. And today, because I'm going to go a little quickly, I'm just going to talk about three. There were more than three, but I'm just going to talk about three. The first one was on the user experience from the ordering perspective. Ordering was kind of clunky, really old. Um, it wasn't the customer's fault. It's just that the systems they used were really archaic and they needed to be up updated. So the old ordering system didn't look like what we wanted it to look like for digital natives and for all of us that are used to going onto Amazon and ordering something and putting it in a cart and hitting submit, right? It was hard to do. So we fixed that. Then we had to talk about how are we going to fix the next part when the order goes to a, um, to a warehouse, right? So again, it would go to 70 different warehouses depending on business rules of region or what type of, of equipment were they going to be sending out. Well, the problem, right, is, and I'll just use one example, was visibility. It's the biz biggest problem they had because across the 70 uh, warehouses, they were almost completely siloed. So in other words, um, warehouse nine didn't know what warehouse 11 had, and they didn't know what warehouse 36 had, right? So the problem is if an order hit, let's say, warehouse nine, and they were buying a box of pens, Right? They could go in and say, okay, we don't have any pens. We need to order more. When uh, warehouse 52 has tons and tons of pens, right? And so the problem is, is you have this, you have an absolute inability to do any product optimization, right? But what ServiceNow and what our solution does and what Eric's going to talk about is we were able to go in, give them the ability to see every different warehouse and say, hey, uh, warehouse 37 has 500 boxes of pens. We're going to kick off a, a, a workflow, which is going to be a, an in, I always get these confused, inter, yes, inter-warehouse uh, transfer between the two, right? So I don't have to go and buy more pens because there are pens all over the place. They're just not in my in, in, in my warehouse, right? So huge, huge, huge increase in productivity. And as we can get to that product optimization across the entire ecosystem, not just in that one particular warehouse. And then that bubbled up to the, to the leadership because the leadership at no time was what they called audit ready. And if you know what that means, they're saying, we don't know what in the world we have. They didn't know how many units of X that they had at any one time. And if they tried to get it, it was just data call after data call after data call. And by the time they had a number, it was stale. So what ServiceNow allows them to do is in one single dashboard, they can see everything they have at once all the time, right? So we had the user interface that we, we helped fix. We had the, um, the warehouse management, which Eric's going to walk you through, which we helped fix. And then the last piece was the delivery and maintenance of. So when we sent out information that those uh, pieces of, of inventory out, 
You know, how did they get there? How did we track that? Uh, suppose they were broken and they had to be sent back. How did all that work? How did those workflows work? If they needed to be serviced, and that's what Brian's going to talk you about, how do we create a work, uh, work management a ticket that goes out and can fix those? So that solution, right, is multiple ServiceNow products. But what it did is it took, it takes the, the efficiency from a really, you know, I'm going to say it, archaic sideload solution, and it created efficiencies across the entire organization. And the one that I like is just that the middle one, that 92% increased inventory management, right? So as we get closer and closer to that product optimization, and that product optimization means an ROI. So with that, those are our two stories and they compose lots of different products. And so now Eric's going to come on and he's going to talk specifically about our enterprise asset management solution, which we're really excited about. It's, it's two releases old and, right, and, uh, and we're getting tons of interested folks. And it is for exactly what we talked about, which is non-IT assets. Thanks, Andy. Yep. Can everybody hear me okay? All right. I'll advance here. Okay, so when we when we talk about enterprise asset and, and we look at the management of, I'll use a technical term that I, I use within my team, is this is our stuff. Um, we want to be able to track it accurately. We want to be able to know what we have. We want visibility to risks within our business when we have maybe overlapping work, overlapping processes, more than one way to do things. Um, and it's not so much more than one way to do things, but it's inconsistencies between the process that causes our inaccuracy. Now, when we talk about the end-to-end asset lifecycle, you heard the guys touch on it earlier. This is acquisition through disposition. When I'm planning to acquire new assets, I need to consider what those assets are, how to bring them into my business, what to do with them once they're here, how do I put them into service, who's going to be consuming those assets, um, and then how do I operate them? I have bulk-based assets. I have serialized-based assets where I need to be able to tell one from the other. Um, when I'm working through maintaining those assets, is this something that I'm only reacting to? Tickets come in, we respond, we dispatch, we repair. Right? Or do I have the ability to now, when I'm looking at this end-to-end asset estate, start to look at information surfacing out of the data? Well, we're seeing um, we have a press in our factory that's breaking down after so many hours of usage. We want to schedule maintenance ahead of that cycle, keeping it online longer, keeping it online um, and productive in our environments. And that's really the thing we see when we start moving into the enterprise or business-driven assets, whether they're connected or non-connected. Oftentimes, these assets are uh, connected to driving revenue or core operations for each of our businesses. So making sure that their readiness and availability is very critical to being able to deliver value back to the business. Now, when we talk about the solutions that, that were, were caught out in the stories, um, we want to be able to look at the ServiceNow approach of that single platform, single data model, single architecture, because across our platform, our products work together seamlessly. We want to make sure that when we look at the ability to manage the end-to-end lifecycle and we have a specific need for how we're servicing assets and how we're optimizing that within the business, we have the ability to pair asset with our field service management capabilities. Take it from here. All right. Um, my name is Brian Philbin. I'm the field service guy. That's all you really need to know. Now, when we look at this slide, no, I'm not going to read every little circle because we'll be here till next Tuesday. Um, but field service is literally the send a person process. I need to send the right person with the right skills, the right resources, the right parts, whatever they are, to the right place at the right time to do the job right the first time. Really simple, right? 
Yeah. If it was simple, I wouldn't have a job. So when we start looking at field service, we kind of break it down into the, the arc down at the bottom, which is we want a frictionless experience for our reporting party. And I use that term loosely. It could be calling on a phone, going to a portal, using a connected device to report it, using a maintenance plan to trigger those activities. When do we need to go and do those activities? And then if I am going to a portal, can I deflect some of this? Can I create some knowledge content articles that tell me how to adjust my thermostat so the HVAC person doesn't have to come in and adjust it for me? How can you deflect some of this, including things like augmented reality and the ability to do remote repair? Then when we move up to that next step, which is after we've determined we have to send a knuckle dragger out to go and do the work, I was one, so I can talk about myself that way, um, we move into schedule and dispatch. Scheduling is really simply that act of matching that perfect person with all their stuff and their baggage with them to that perfect job, and then automating that so that you can do as much of it as possible without human intervention. Then dispatch is the second piece of that. Once you've assigned all of this work, there is a great quote from General Patton that I use in field service all the time. No battle plan survives first contact with the enemy intact. I had a great plan when I went home last night. When I came in this morning, Eric got sick. Uh, I, I, Tim's car broke down. The Jim got struck by lightning. Whatever it happens to be, I now don't have the number of resources I had. How can automation help me deal with those exceptions and only bubble the exceptions up that humans need to touch? So that's that real-time view into what's going on right now. And then we move into resource management. Who are my people? Who are the, the assets that I need to carry with them? Tools, equipment, et cetera. I need a bucket truck to go do this kind of repair. And this doesn't have to be just internal people. It could be external folks, third-party contractors. It could be a combination of both. We're not proud. We'll deal with any of them. And then the last part of that segment for those folks is job execution. When I get out in the field, had, what did I do? What did I find? What did I consume? How much time did I spend? And again, doesn't matter if it's an internal user, if it's a contractor or a combination of both, being able to collect that data in a very easy format on a device this small, unless of course you're an intelligence community, we'll have a different conversation about that. Um, but being able to use the device that's in their hand, the same thing could have happened for the person reporting it. I observe a problem. I pull out my phone. I say, I observe this problem. I go back to my day job. I don't run back to my office to, to report that process. And then the last thing is every kid's a straight A student until report cards come, dashboards, reporting, integration to business intelligence, being able to take, if schedule and dispatch is real-time view, and what happened this second? Dashboards and reporting now frees me up to look at, am I tracking against my North Star? Am I on track with my organizational goals and the things I need to be pointed at? I can tack back and forth as I'm going, but I really want to keep going in that straight line. You can now use dashboards and reporting more to, to do that straight line track. When I was in the field, I'd get a report on Wednesday morning that told me how well I did last week. And I used to call it an LPI, a lack of performance indicator, because not only was it for last week and I actually couldn't do anything about it, I'm two and a half days into this week. What am I going to do this week? So any changes I make now won't affect me till next week. Being able to do that combination of real-time view and the dashboards and reporting gives you that ability to say, I can fix it immediately, but I want to make sure I'm still tracking. 
So that's kind of, and again, if you have another BI tool and you want to feed the stuff into it, we're not proud. We'll integrate to any system on the front end. We can integrate to any system on the back end. And that's kind of the whole spectrum of field service in a nutshell. And I'll hand it back to my pal, Eric. Thanks, Brian. So I think as, as we go through this, uh, a, lot of, a lot of times I default to thinking about complexity in my own environment and, and what's going on, on a daily basis. And there's so much to do and there's so much going on. But I wanted to boil this down to a singular practical example, because when we talk about scaling solutions, it, you know, table stakes for us is this must be practical. It must be repeatable. That's how we see success scaling through our businesses. That's how we see results in our data accuracy of our assets and making sure that our technicians get to the right place. Okay. In this example, we have, um, uh, we're showing our asset manager who's, who creates maintenance plans, refresh cycles against assets. Um, you know, we have, uh, so we can use a scenario, air conditioner breaks. Okay. Um, they, our asset manager, they're, they're reserving their stock. They're running their warehouses. They're running their distribution centers, uh, making sure localized inventory is in place, fulfilling requests for, um, fulfilling requests for end users as they're coming in, refreshes for pulling age devices out. They're, they're really responsible for those assets inside of uh, their environment. Now, when we have that disruption of service, that air conditioner goes down. We have our incident ticking coming in, our case coming in, and we have a technician that can then go diagnose and, and look at what is that failure that's going on. Now, if I'm that technician, I need to do a couple of things. Understand what's going on and understand what is my resolution to restore service. Okay, customer satisfied when service is restored. In this case now, when we have this seamless system, they have the ability to identify and pinpoint where the equipment is available. Okay? They have the ability to source that or pick it up from the appropriate location or borrow it from another location if it's unavailable. Um, and, and we want to be able to think about, hey, if I'm doing that borrow from a local site, can that auto kick off a reorder process for me? So we're making them whole in cycle. Okay? That it's not just these arbitrary activities. Now we have gaps and, hey, we'll figure it out later. Okay? A good asset management system is the ultimate pay it forward system because we have the ability to prevent um, loss of service next time. When we get that dis the dispatch technician location of where something was deployed, it's there. What a novel concept. Um, but our technician, they are the feet on the street. They are picking up those parts. They're performing that service, whether it's regular maintenance or to restore that service to the air conditioner. They're bringing those assets back to their depot centers, to the asset managers who have the ability to say, okay, um, can I do an inventory check on this and maybe run it through an RMA process for we're covered under warranty for repair or replacement get it back on the shelf for reuse of my assets, um, being able to look at, uh, you know what, this is irreparable or we're not going to foot the cost for repairing this. So we can look at processes of resale, disposal, donation. Um, even if we have asset, uh, leased assets that are coming off our books, being able to execute a lease expiration process. That would consist of either buying out my lease, extending it, or doing a like-kind exchange or return. So having these process-driven flows means that our technicians, that our people that are doing the work every day, they don't have to think about that advanced next step. They really want to be able to focus on performing work in their environment. Go help your customers. Okay? Go restore the service to the air conditioner. Go um, make sure that our, our medical equipment is staying online or that the, the beds are moved from the third floor to the, to the first floor. Um, but making sure that we're doing this in a single system of accuracy allows us to put automation when they complete their work. Nobody has to go click, click, click in a database. You complete the task, the, uh, the, the task that contains the asset. We like to say the asset comes along for the ride. 
And we want to be able to extend that into the assets we don't see, such as contracts on the IT side, such as licensing. Um, but even on the front end, to be able to see what types of um, service are they eligible for um, to make sure that we can uh, either pull parts or do we need to ship this off for a repair? So having this information at the fingertips of the technicians when they're doing work, again, singular example, break, fix, repair. The asset manager has the equipment available. They can pick it up, restore service, and then dispensate the, the old asset. Now, as we scale that out to an end-to-end -end life cycle, we have lots of opportunities for engagement from the time that asset is acquired all the way through its dis disposition. That's what we've looked at and embraced within the enterprise asset management product is how do we put prescriptive workflows, automated activities, mobile actions to make it easier to work with, but to address every major lifecycle milestone and the work activities that go on within it. Okay? We want to be able to drill, deliver a seamless experience for our customers so that the information is in front of them, but it's not so complex that it's daunting. So when we say, when we look at how do, how do our people retrieve work or how do our asset managers even know what's going on in the environment, developing out dashboard views, command center-like views, so that when they come in, they can quickly identify, hey, we have a disposal order we haven't received uh, certificates on. We have a stock order that hasn't been fully received yet. And they can quickly isolate that information, take their process forward, and remain accurate in their environment while completing their day jobs. Sounds really easy, right? Um, but you know, the, really what we strive for here is, is from, a, from an end, from a solution standpoint, within ServiceNow, we want to make sure we're embracing that single platform, single architecture, single data model, so that it can accept any assets within my business, um, whether in facilities, medical, technology-based, serialized, consumable. Okay? And then we partner with our industry team so that if there are specific needs, through those industries, um, if we need special uh, medical classifications, if we need um, special information about how we complete processes, we can partner with those solution teams and industry teams to deliver that forward for your industry. But we want to make sure we're delivering that horizontal end-to-end -end, uh, result for all of our ServiceNow customers. Now, everyone will get a copy of the slides in here. Um, and we did want to create a couple examples in here. I will not read you through the IR charts this close to happy hour, um, but I do want to call out, please retrieve the slides. We put a couple of use cases in here around inventory. Um, we did put another one in around refresh planning and installation and real life examples coming out of our customers, uh, as well as proactive field service uh, maintenance. So if, if you are interested, please dig in the slides, uh, take a look at the situation desired action that we're delivering out of the ServiceNow solutions. Um, but I know we're just a couple minutes from the top, so I think we want to reserve a little bit of portion, just get a couple questions from the, from the group here. Do we have a mic to carry on? Yeah. Uh, you touched on predictive analytics. Yep. Um, is that something that you're, you're leveraging right within ServiceNow, you know, perhaps you can build business rules, or is that something you're kind of pulling the data out and looking at? So we're, we're building it inside. So the question was around predictive analytics. Um, is that something that we're bringing in from a different, working with a different solution on or doing within ServiceNow? Okay. Um, we are doing that in ServiceNow. Um, we are looking at, uh, as we look at maintenance activities, as we look at work history activities, even if we look at stock replenishment activities, um, being able to bring recommendations in for um, the restocking, as an example, is, is driven out of rules from the system. 
all of the assets, and this is why you hear me beat the drum of automation and lifecycle, but every single process you follow, what you don't know or what you would see in the system, we're writing that history log against every single asset. When we're updating attributes, we're writing that history log so we can mine that to be able to um, do exactly that analytics. Okay. Mm -hmm. Question. What would you have done over? What would I have done over? If you had a redo, a do-over, what part of this transition into the systems would you... It's a tricky question. So I here here yeah would have done it sooner. Um, I didn't share full history. I was a very uh, early customer of ServiceNow's. I spent about six years in our partner ecosystem, and I've spent the last six years in our product team. When I came in, it was a goal to be able to create a single platform for assets um, that had advanced process across ServiceNow. So I helped launch the SAM product. I launched Ham. And really being able to build out to address enterprise-grade assets for all of our customers was the goal. So I'd go back and just say, I wish we could do it sooner. Um, but being able to solve these um, really large use cases at a very simplistic level and scale it, this was the goal. Thank you. Yeah. Other questions from the group? So the question is, does this have GIS capabilities for visualizing where our equipment is, maybe on a map or, or a view? Um, I'm going to go back to that safe harbor slide right in the beginning. Um, our, our Utah release is, is coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, it is early access for those of you that see it. Um, those capabilities are something you will see later this year. Um, I will pitch the knowledge conference. If anybody is looking at our webinars, knowledge conferences, there will be a lot of information about what's coming. Um, but yes, soon. One additional note on that is in the field service portion of the product, we can show you where your techs are, where your work orders are. There is a layer that can turn the assets on that are going to be serviced. So there is some GIS data. There is also the ability to geofence some of it. So when a tech gets within a certain distance, we put them on site so that the tech doesn't have to to remember, or if you have security issues where you need to know the person's coming, we need to alert security before they get to the physical location, we can put a ring around it and all that information's in there. But as Eric said, there we're continuing to expand into other areas of the platform and the products. In the AM solution, there will be another layer that allows us to do that. Yeah. So four text today, four assets. Yeah. Soon. Yep. Okay. Um, I will say we will be around after the session. I got zeros on the clock here, which means I, we are now keeping people from networking, and that's not where I want for any of it. But uh, thank you very much for your time, your attendance. Join the session today. Thank you.